Uh, I want to read it a moment to you, just a passage of Scripture, um, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. But just to preface that and introduce that, I, um, last week I just shared uh, a passage from uh, Mark chapter 8, and uh, it was the encounter Jesus had with the blind man. And um, he, he uh, interesting, I was fascinated by this story uh, because it's the one time in Jesus' uh, ministry where he ministered to someone and he had to pray twice for them. Uh, because he prayed the first time and uh, when he prayed, the, the, the blind man said, oh, mate, basically said, my eyesight's a bit hazy. I still can't see clearly. And so Jesus prayed a second time. And as he prayed a second time, the men saw clearly. The interesting thing about that I find so encouraging is, is the issue is not that Jesus had to touch the man twice. But the issue is that Jesus was willing to touch the man twice. And, uh, and out of that, uh, the statement was made that, you know what? God's not finished with you and God's not finished with me yet. In actual fact, uh, you know, as he touched this man, he had a second go. This man could see clearly. All of us, there's always a way to go, isn't there? There's always more that God would have for you. Uh, it's never a sitting back and saying, you know what? I think I've reached the pinnacle of my belief and my faith, and man, I'm at the top of it. Uh, it never happens. Uh, there's always more. I remember when I was a young Christian in my teens, I thought, you know, when I hit 20, I'm going to know, know it all. I didn't probably literally say that. I got to 20 and I realized how little I knew, uh, how much further I needed to go. And so God is incredibly good and patient with us. And uh, the truth is, is uh, he's never finished with us. There's always something more he wants to do in our lives. And aren't you glad of that? <laughs> I'm glad. He, he doesn't discard us because we'd fail. He doesn't beat us over the head and say, well, you're just not going to make it. You're not good enough. No, folks. Uh, the truth is, is that he's always wants to engage us and always wants to lean into us and have a relationship with us and help us. So I think that's a wonderful God that we have. And do you know, it always, there's always something new. And, and if, we're, if we're aware, God is always wanting to speak to us, direct us and show us more. He's always got more for us. He always wants to speak to us. You know, the Bible says these crazy things, which is true, but it says, um, pray always. You know, give thanks continually. Pray always? How do you pray always? How do you literally walk through life praying to God? Oh, no, no, I, you need to need the context of that. It's really talking about the reality that just to walk through life, always aware that uh, He's there. Always aware, walking through life. So any moment, you can just talk to Him. You don't have to wait to a certain position, a certain place. You can just talk to God. He's there. Always being aware of that. I was, I was uh, um, at Woolworths yesterday and, um, and I was wanting to buy a couple pieces of fish for our dinner. And uh, it was Barramundi I was searching for. I went to Woolworths at the mall and I went to the fish counter. But it was half past four in the evening and they f closed at five. And who knows that uh, they start to pack everything away. And so you go there and it's not displayed. And so, but you know something, don't you, when you go there and it's not displayed. You know it's in the cold room. Uh, and so you can ask for it. And so I went up to the fish counter. There's hardly anything there. It's all been packed away nearly. I said to the young man, I said, yeah, um, can I have two pieces of barra? And he went like this. He's looking at the... And he said, he said I don't think we've got it. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I just need to be polite here. I said, um, but you usually do have it. And he got the drift. He says... 
uh, I'll have a look in the coal room. I said, good idea. Thank you. <laughs> and he went to the coal room. Two minutes later, he comes out with two pieces, with the tray of um, barramundi. And he, uh, he wraps up two pieces. He gives it to me. And I thought, and as he gave it to me, I said, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I walked away happy. Hopefully, he walked away realizing that customers are not as dumb as he thinks. Um, they do know about the coal room. Um, so anyway, as I walked away, here's the point. If you've got nothing from this point, get this. <clears throat> um, the point is, as I walked away, uh, I remembered that verse in James 4.2. And uh, James 4.2 says, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. I said, wow, why did that verse come into my mind? And the truth is, is that sometimes we go through life and we expect God to give to us, but we never ask Him. We walk through life and we never engage Him. We never hand over things to, we never, you know, connect with him. And we expect God to, especially in storm times and difficult times when life's crashing around us. We expect God to know. No, you know what God does know about your life? But he wants to see your heart and whether you're willing to engage him in relationship. And as I walked away down the rest of the aisles, uh, it, happily with my two pieces of barramundi, um, picking up a couple more groceries, I thought, Lord... I felt it prompt me and say, you know what? You don't ask enough, James. And, you, and sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. And I thought, yes, yeah, right. And, you know, it's just... And I thought I had that kind of down pat. I thought, you know, I was doing okay with God. But, you know, there's just this challenge comes sometimes. Through the everyday moments of life, God wants to speak. God wants to touch your life. He wants to direct you. He's very real, this God. And so I, I want to turn to our attention today and, and look... So I told you about what was last week because I thought last week was a one-off message. But it's turned out, it's now turned into a series and it's called God's Not Finished With You Yet. Is that cool? So you've got your seatbelts on, strapped in, uh, paid the ticket. Now let's read Luke chapter 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into the boat. Who's he here? It's Jesus. Jesus got into the boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other, what, side of the lake, which is Lake Galilee. Uh, and they launched out. But as they sailed, Jesus, or he or Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, um, and they were in jeopardy. And they came to him, the disciples, and woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they, and they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the wind and the waters, and they obey him. I love the reality is that, that they go, they're afraid at one moment. It's so fickle, the disciples. They were, they were pretty, much, pretty early stages of their relationship with Jesus. So they didn't know everything about Jesus, but they were just following him. And, they, and at one stage in this situation, they're afraid of the, the, the storm because the waves are lapping and coming over the t sides of the boat. And now we see they turn their fear to being in awe, which is another word for fear of Jesus himself. I think that's a good ending, isn't it? You're at awe, or you're fearful of the waves, you're fearful of the storms, because we all face our storms. We all face those times of life that just come suddenly upon us, all those things you didn't kind of, um, you know, um, plan for. But I'm so glad, that even though Jesus is asleep, he was still in the boat with them. And in the end, 
They were in awe of him and not of the natural forces of the wind and the waves. So as we look at this passage and turn our attention to this story now, we're going we're to look at uh, God's Not Finished With Us Yet, part two. So let's, uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples something here in their lives. He's, he's helping them to see that there's more to, to, to this life. And, and even though they uh, don't uh, come up with the goods, and Jesus said to them, oh, you, you know, where is your faith? He's not so much, I don't think, just rebuking them, but he's trying to teach them that there's more to the Christian life and belief in God than they realize. There's more. And, um, and he talks about faith here. The interesting thing is that Jesus tells, uh, sorry, Luke tells this story, which we just read, but also there's two other guys called Matthew, and then there's Mark who tells the same story. And Matthew actually says this in, in chapter 8. He says, uh, in the, Matthew's talking about the same story, Jesus sleep in the boat, and Jesus gets up, and Matthew says uh, that Jesus said, little faith. And yet when Mark in chapter 4 tells the same story, he says, no faith. So Luke says, where is your faith? Matthew says, little faith. Mark says, no faith. I mean, what kind of faith was it? So what are we, you know, what is this faith? And the truth is that each of the writers are right in their narrative, in the text that they wrote, because they're all expressing their sense of faith at different times and how they felt or would have felt in that situation, which reflects the truth. We all have varying degrees of faith at different times and situations in our life. We can all at times, I, can, I remember sometimes I've had great faith and other times I've seemed to have lost my faith somewhere. I'm feeling, I'm struggling. You know, so there's different stages in our lives. And the very fact that Jesus mentions here faith at all, he's, he's obviously pointing to the fact that he wants them to have faith because the Bible actually says there's one thing that really pleases God about you and that's having faith. It might be only just small faith. It might be growing faith. It might be great faith, whatever it is, but he wants you to have faith. It's one of the crux and one of the truths of the Christian faith, is having faith. Secondly, it tells me that there was a way that Jesus could tell that they didn't have faith operating at that moment in the boat. It must have been very obvious to Jesus that faith was lacking if he was to say to them, where's your faith? So what was those things Jesus saw that indicated their faith was not happening? And as we answer that question this morning, what is, the, what is faith uh, if we are to have it? What does faith look like in the 21st century? Because faith isn't some pie in the sky, just a comment or a thought or a word. Now, there's some real practices that really show us what faith looks like today. So I want to talk to you about that today uh, because God's not finished with you and He's not finished with me. He wants us to grow up in our faith. So, number one, let's look at uh, verse 22. It just Let me recap. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they set out. Pretty simple statement. Jesus said, let's go to the, what, uh, what did he say? To the other side. Can you see what he's saying? He's, he's giving them a promise. We're going to the, he didn't say it's a suggestion. He didn't say maybe. He said, uh, let us go over to the other side. It was a definite it was a definite. And so you could say it was a promise. It was something Jesus says, that's where we're going to go. But you know what? 
you know, sometimes you want to go over there. You want to be there in your life. You want to be at a further stage than you are. But between here and there, sometimes there's storms that just want to stop you from getting there. But, you know, if you know that's where you're meant to be, don't give up halfway just because the storm hits. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach them because faith is about is our convictions. This is the first point. Faith is our convictions because Jesus said it, but somewhere in the midst of the storm, they forgot or didn't remember what Jesus had said on this side of the Lake of Galilee. They forgot it halfway across. And Jesus had said, we're going to the other side. But in the midst of the pressure of the problem or the issue or the struggle, they forgot the promise that Jesus had said. And so it became a, a, a challenge to their faith. He, I mean, a, it, it, and I think Jesus was basically... Um, saying, you know, I don't want you to um, falter at the first resistance, but the disciples did. At the first resistance to their faith, they faltered. Now, did Jesus beat them up over that? No. He just stated the obvious. He says, where is your faith? It was a challenge to their faith. And they had to deal with that. See, our conviction, the first sign of that you have faith is your convictions, what's deep within you. What, you know, your convictions are what you really believe. If you stripped everything else away in your life, what do you really believe? Because our convictions make way for our faith, and our convictions don't need to be founded on the circumstances of life, but faith grows when it's founded in the word of what Jesus has spoken, which we find in the Bible, on the promises of God. And we're going to have a conviction about that, because if you... If, if, you, if you don't stand for something, folks, you'll fall for everything. What's your conviction? The disciples didn't probably think about it too much, but their conviction should have been, we're going to the other side despite the storm. You know, um, Jesus gave the, the disciples a promise. He was hoping that their faith was going to stand strong. It didn't. The wind and the waves created a crisis of faith for the disciples. They heard Jesus say the other side, but it didn't become a conviction of faith that they would then would help them face the crisis of faith. They didn't make it a conviction. And you know, when all hell breaks loose, um, you know what? You need to live. You need to have some convictions to stand strong upon and some foundation to stand up on. God has a, a faith promise for you. And don't get pushed around to and fro by the circumstances because convictions allow you to stand. Convictions. You know... I have a conviction about a number of things in my life. There, a conviction is something you're going to stand on. Because I've found circumstances come and go. And unfortunately, don't stand on just circumstances in life. Convictions is what's more solid. Convictions are things like, you know, I have a conviction about my marriage, for instance. I'm going to stand strong in my marriage. And because I have such a strong conviction about Michelle and I and our, our marriage, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do things that enhances that relationship. That's what convictions do. And that's what faith's like. A conviction allows faith to grow. And so when a storm comes, I'm going to stand strong. Do you know, I have a conviction that my children and my grandchildren will serve the Lord because the Word of God says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So no matter what comes against them, I'm always praying for them because I have a conviction that that's where they're meant to be. They're not meant to be out in the world mucking up and destroying their lives. I don't want them to see and do that. I want to see them enjoy life. I have a conviction, and so I, I pray into that. So that's a sign of faith. So um, I have a conviction. Here's another one. I have a strong conviction 
that I need to forgive. We all had things happen to us unjustly, incorrectly, unright. But I have a strong conviction. I've got to live by forgiveness because the, the alternative is really a bitter life of unforgiveness. I don't want to live there. I don't, Jesus said, you know, forgive those who, you know, abuse you or hurt you. Yeah, but you might say this morning, well, you don't know my situation and what people have done to me. Well, I don't. But you know what? I've come to a conclusion. If, I'm gonna, if I don't forgive, I'm going to live in some element of just tormenting, you know, struggle, always struggling with oh, revenge and attitudes that aren't right. So I've got a strong conviction to keep a sweet spirit. That's been challenged many, many times. And I don't always get it perfect for the first 24 hours. But I want to tell you that it's the best way to live. That's what convictions do for you. Because it creates, when I have a conviction, I'm going to create an atmosphere of faith, believing that God can help me get, walk, walk through this. And that's what the disciples had entered to see, that there was more than just the wind and the waves. There was a promise from Jesus himself that said, we're going to the other side. Um, do you know when the bad news comes, we can lift up the good news? And hold it up against the bad news and say, this is my conviction of belief and I'm not going to budge from it. That's the good news. Take the good news because there's a lot of bad news. And you've got to hold the good news and say, this is my conviction. This is where I'm going. The second thing about this story in regards to what faith looks like. Faith not only looks like... Uh, can I just say this? Um, faith... Um, faith... The promise for faith, uh, I had a, t a, th a word, wording I was going to use. Oh, here it is. That they were, uh, no, that's not it. It doesn't matter. But faith is the strength of your... Uh, conviction is the strength of your faith. That's what I was going to say. Conviction is a strength of your faith. But if, if conviction is the strength of your faith, this tw verse 24 uh, is something else. And they, it, let me read it. Then they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. If, if, if conviction is the strength of your faith, faith, uh, uh, faith is also a confession. It's not just a conviction, it's a, a confession. If conviction is the strength of our faith, confession is the gauge of our faith. Confession. You may say, what, what do you mean by confession? Well, confession is what comes out of your lips. Confession is what you speak. Confession is what, you know, um, is, is birthed in the heart, but it comes out the mouth. And, you know, the disciples, maybe as Jesus said to them, where is your faith? Maybe in their hearts, they were saying, you can't judge us about what we're, you know, where's our faith? You don't see our hearts. But Jesus could, because it's Jesus himself said in Luke 6, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of my heart, the mouth speaks. You know, and, and often our faith is seen by our confession. Because, you know, you can just believe it. You can have it in here and say, oh, I believe in this, I believe in that. I believe in a good marriage. But you never actually confess. You never do anything about it. So you need a faith is Faith is that confession that stands strong and you're not going to be budged. It's the words that can build up our faith or it can pull down our faith. It's our ga faith gauge. And I suppose if you were to think of a petrol gauge, you know, is, you know, is your tank empty or full today? Or is it somewhere in between? You know, I don't really mind. I don't think God minds where it is at the moment. But as long as it's 
growing a little bit, bit by bit. So if conviction is the strength of our faith, confession is the gauge of our faith. I, um, that's why as believers in Jesus, we can receive the same news that the world receives, but respond differently. We respond differently. We can talk differently. We don't give in to bad news. because we. And it's not just some hyper faith up there, pie in the sky. No, it's literally you know, uh, rubber on the road, just living a practical Christian life every day. Because it's your convictions and it's your confession that actually enhances your faith. That strengthens your faith. I was, um, this week, um, my family and I, uh, and Pastor Malcolm and Sandy, we went to the state conference on the Sunshine Coast. And um, uh, my daughter, who lives in Brisbane, uh, came up. Her husband had to work just for a couple to work. But she came up, wanted to take the opportunity to see us. So she brought up her and her little boy, Ezekiel. And, and, um, and uh, she parked in a Coles car park near the motel we were staying. And, and so we, we, uh, we were out, and so we arrived. And... Um, she said, because um, we had to shift her car now into the motel parking. And so she said, Dad, you drive. I'll just sit in the back with Ezekiel. It was, it was like just 150 meters. And so I uh, start the car up, and uh, I failed to see that there was a trolley bay beside the car on the left. And uh, the thing is, it didn't have trolleys in it, but it just had those guide rails where you slide your trolley in. You, you know the ones where you get at one end, and you just push it as fast as you can, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, so I didn't, that, uh, and because she's got an SUV and I was sitting high, I didn't, my line of view did not see the trolley rails. And it's three and a half inch Galvo pipe. And so as I left hand down, the front of the car just swung and whacked into the um, trolley bay guide rails and just creased and damaged the front corner of her car. And I am like, far out. I am so disappointed with myself. I am so disappointed. This is my daughter's car. And, you know, this is, and she's got a husband who's bigger than me. So, you know, I... <laughs> no, it's okay. I rang Andre last night. He'd already seen the car. Um, but, um, but anyway, I was, you know, I was just disappointed that I'd done this. And, you know, Gabriel's like, oh, it's right, Dad. It's just the car, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know, it's just the inconvenience. And it was drivable and all that. But it's just the inconvenience of them having to get it fixed. And they got a little boy. And they've only got one car. And, you know, all those things started to flood my mind. And I was disappointed in myself and allowing that to happen. You ever, you ever had those moments? And it's just, ah. Oh. Anyway, um, so I, I parked the car again real quickly, after, and, and I reparked it, and I went out and had a look, and I could see it all creased and damaged. And, and, then, and then I didn't realize, but on the other side of the trolley bay was a lady sitting in her car, and I didn't know she was there. And, and do you know there's times in life when you just don't want to hear from someone else, when you feel yuck enough? When you feel like you've already, you're disappointed enough, and you're feeling bad about what's happened, you just don't need another comment. And <laughs> So this lady, who I didn't know was there, wound down her window and she says to me she says at least you didn't damage someone else's car I'm thinking I did it's my daughter's <laughs> but I didn't say that but she was referring to the fact that I hadn't run into another car I had two cars to pay for and you know when she said that um, while I didn't want to hear it uh, I thought of a verse in scripture that actually says give thanks come on in all situations, for this is the will of God concerning you. And I said, God, <laughs> I don't want to give thanks. 
I want to live in my little bit of disappointment and pity right now. It's not fair. We're like a two-year-old in a candy shop where no one wants to give us any lollies. I'm not coming. <laughs> but you know, isn't it amazing that God, this lady was so, actually she wasn't doing anything wrong. In actual fact, if, if, I, if I knew any better, it was like the voice of God. At least she, what she was saying to me was, you can be thankful it isn't worse. And I said, God, okay. And you know, for, for 24 hours, I stewed on my disappointment until I finally gave in and said, God, I just give you thanks. And you know, I felt a, a, literally a heaviness in my soul until I finally just let my confession change. And when I let my confession change, man, that lifted off me. See, can you see that your confession is a, is a, your confession is a gauge of your faith? Your conviction is the strength of your faith, but your confession is a gauge. The disciples' confession was, we're going to perish. We're going to die. They thought they were going over, sorry, under, but Jesus had already told them they're going what? Over. They were going over, not under. They thought they were going under. He says, no, we're going over to the other side. See, and their confession. Now, let's not beat the disciples up too much. You know, if I was in a boat that was kind of water coming in and sinking, I'd probably get a little bit concerned. But, you know, hopefully I'd, I'd let faith arise and say, you know what, Jesus, let's wake up, Jesus, and say, Jesus, we're in a little tight situation here. Would you help us, you know? We've got faith, but would you help our faith to grow? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Your confession is more powerful than you think. And when you're in the midst of the storm and you just want to yell and scream and tell someone off, it's a time to shut your mouth and just say, what am I going to say here that's not going to build up but it's going to destroy? I don't need to do that. Your confession is your powerful. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing I love about this verse. Verse 25. Um, verse 24 and 25, the third thing. And they came to him and woke him and saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the waters, and they ceased, and it was calm. And he said, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one, Who can this be? For he commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Jesus is woken by the disciples. He is, he, he is not stressed like the disciples. Jesus was enjoying his sleep. We see two different ways that people conduct themselves in the midst of storms. One run around stressed, the other go to bed and have a wonderful, peaceful sleep. The truth is, if conviction is our strength of our faith and confession is the gauge of our faith, then our conduct is the response of our faith. Our conduct. You can see how it works. We have a conviction. It's going to bring strength to us. And then and, and our conviction makes us stand strong on certain issues. And then we have, uh, then out of that conviction comes a confession. I'm not going to give it. I'm going to believe God can do something good in the midst of this. I'm not going to be airy-fairy. I'm just going to be believing that trust in God. That's the confession. And then what comes after that is comes the reality that our conduct, our actions will follow our words often. And so our conduct is a response now to our faith. And we start to actually action out some positive faith steps. We start to do some things that are kind of are faith. I always liked the man who came to a healing ministry. He, he'd lost his leg. He came to a, a very famous um, healing ministry. And, he, and, and when he got up the front, he came with two pairs of shoes. 
Now, I'm not quite sure if he got his healing that night, but I just love the action of the man's heart. He come prepared. I, I just think in a little way that we've got to do the same. Our actions need to respond to. And we, often our faith is seen by our actions, our conduct, our conduct. Do you know there was a time um, that we see in, um, in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus was in this house and there was like literally packed out. There may be a hundred people jammed in this little house. They're hanging out the windows. And these four men were carrying a stretcher with a paralyzed friend on the stretcher. They couldn't get in the front door. It was so jam-packed. People literally couldn't, you know, just couldn't move. So they didn't, they didn't say, well, that's it. Go home. Can't get our friend to Jesus today. No healing today. No, no, no. They went up the side of the building as there's external stairs. They went onto the flat roof. They t- took the tiles away. They got ropes and they dropped this man down through the roof in front of Jesus. They interrupted a church service. And Jesus didn't stop it. And he looked at the man who needed healing. He, and then, you know, he looked and he forgave him his sins. And then he looked up and, he, and it says in Scripture that these four guys, are, well, it doesn't literally say, but they must have been peering through the hole. And as they peered, Jesus looked up and he says, um, he saw their faith. Now, that's an interesting one. What, what did he really see? He saw four men who actioned their faith with their conduct. They did something. They did something. They carried their friend through the... They didn't back away. They said, we can't get through the front door, so let's go through the roof. We can't, we can't get the, we can't get the, uh, the normal way of... Uh, to, we'll do something that may be a little radical. People will be upset, but we're just going to action it because we're believing. It wasn't that we're trying to disturb everybody and interrupt the service. They were passionate about their friend. And because they're passionate, their faith was displayed through their conduct. And often that's what we've got to realize. Our conduct, our faith is our conduct as much as anything else. But sometimes I believe that things are going wrong. We've got to be careful we don't jump to conclusions or run around irrationally. Because God actually says, be still and know that I'm God, doesn't he? And you know, irrational is not... I never, I never seem to connect with God when I'm irrational. I connect with a lot of emotions sometimes. We can be jumping to unnecessary conclusions and, and you know, that, that, that's not going to help me, you know, connect with God. It's not taking matters into my own hands. I know that, that, I'm, that God only speaks to me when, you know, be still. Just calm your spirit. Just think for a second. Because too often, folks, I've, we've turned our urgency into an emergency when it was never meant to be an emergency. It was just something that was urgent and we've just got to look, just let the peace of God reside. And then we conduct ourselves with the right actions. I was in uh, Uganda about eight years ago um, with my good friend Greg Marbach and we were on the Savannah grasslands and just for half a day, we took an opportunity out from our short-term mission trip just to go and see wild animals. And we saw lions, and we saw giraffes, and we saw elephants, and we saw antelope, and maybe a couple others. But I was just fascinated because the lions, even though there was all these tour, little tour buses around, and everybody's snapping photos. We're inside the vehicles, by the way. Um, the, the, the lions, the pride of lions, and this female lion just walked between us over to the lake to drink. Wouldn't, just as bold as a... I think the saying goes lion, isn't it? As bold as a lion, that's what they were. They didn't care about us. But it was fascinating to get, we couldn't even get 50 metres close to an antelope. 
Oh, they'd scatter and run. And, and just as the disciples, in their actions, some of them um, were just so fearful, so panicky, so irrational. And yet, at those moments, if we had the peace of God, if we just allowed, if we just allow our conviction to stand strong, our confession to be positive and, and biblical, it's amazing that our actions can follow suit, because actions as much as of faith as anything. And you know what? We just need to be like the line. We're just going to quietly go about business not allow this thing to get to us. Or we can run around like an antelope. Bang, just run. And you know the stupid thing about the antelopes, they'd run 100 meters and then they'd stop. You know why they stopped? They forgot what they were running for. (laughs) And we'd be driving along the track a bit further and they'd see us again and run another 100 meters and then they'd stop. And I said to the... um, I said to the uh, guide, I said, what's wrong with this antelope? They run and stop, run and stop. Why don't they just... He says, because they've actually, their brain only remembers about three seconds of information. I said, really? Some of us just need to realize... (laughs) As the team comes... You know, in the midst of your storm, don't run and think later. But let our response be in accordance with their conviction and confession of faith. Because our response will come out of that. Someone once said this, Faith is not just believing in spite of the circumstances. It's acting in obedience to God in spite of the circumstances. It's not just believing despite the circumstances. Because sometimes we can have all... I can have a lot of Scripture in my heart, but you know, I need to act on it. I need to act on it because it's acting in obedience to God in spite of the circumstances. So what does faith look like this morning? A conviction. Faith looks like a conviction to say to no to destructive ways. Faith looks like a confession to say yes to speaking life. And faith looks like a conduct that's right and good. Can we uh, stand this morning as we close? Today, you know, could we just for a moment um, close our eyes uh, just to give each other a little bit of um, personal space. That's all. Um, that's all. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything sneaky. <laughs> but I just want you to consider this morning that God has an incredible love for humanity, and that includes you. I mean, His love was so great that He sent Jesus. And he's never finished with us. He always wants to draw us afresh. And, and, and I think sometimes as some of us today have kind of dipped in to look at God and then step back and dipped in again and step back and, and said, oh, I'm not quite sure about all this God thing. And I really, you know. But then we face our storms and our struggles. And, oh, man, is there any answers here? Is there any hope? And you know who would offer you hope today would be the God himself. Because he's the one who can calm the storm. Sometimes the circumstances rage, but he can put an incredible peace in your heart. An incredible hope. Because he's not finished with you. He never is. But it's us who have to respond to him. Because he's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to do something against your will. You've got to have a will for that. You've got to desire that. So just for a moment today, I just want to make an opportunity Because the Bible actually says to become a Christian, it's a belief in your heart and a confession with your mouth. 
It's a confession in the Lord Jesus Christ and a belief in your heart. And, and you know, that's handing over, I suppose, your life, your problems, your struggles, your storms, your good bits, everything about you. And saying, because God will never dictate to you or try to control you. He'll only ever guide you and lead you and love you and help you. Contrary to popular belief, God doesn't bring bad things on your life. (laughs) But bad things certainly happen. And often because I'm aware of my bad mistakes and decisions that are just wrong. But God is the one who lifts us out sometimes and helps us. And today, what would your confession, would your confession be to believe in Jesus? If that is today you, I'd just like to take the opportunity to ask you today, can I pray for you where you are today? Can I just, if you want to believe in the, and actually confess Him and believe in your heart. If you've already got that there, it's a matter of actually doing it. And so, if for maybe the very first time you want to say yes to Jesus here, or maybe it's again, maybe you need to say that again and just come back to Him. And if you want me to just to pray, my prayer is it more powerful? But you're saying, could you lift your hand today to me? I'll just say you can put it down. And I'll, um, thank you, thank you. You can put it down again. Thank you, thank you. You're saying, pray for me. Yep, behind my hand is my heart just wanting to respond. I just wait a moment more. The second thing I want to pray for people today is just, I want to just pray for people who, who feel like they're in that boat and they're in the storm. It may be just a little storm. It may be a really big storm. It may be whatever is facing. I just love to pray for the second group of people. Pray for you today as well. If you know you just need today, just surrender that storm to Him because it's raging. Just give me a quick hand up so I can just see. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can see those hands. Okay, that's good. So let me pray first of all. And together, church, can we just pray for those who just want to respond to Jesus, either for the first time or again today? Can we just pray a prayer of response and commitment and to do it together? Let's support each other. But for those who raised their hand, the first group, can you please make this your prayer and repeat it after me as we all do. Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. And I thank you that you received me I thank you that Jesus Christ died, took my sin, and rose again so I could be forgiven. I thank you for your purpose and for my life. So I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I believe in my heart that that's true. And I thank you. Amen. Lord, I just pray for those this morning who have responded to you, for either for the first time or again. I pray, reveal yourself more and more to them, Lord. Father, help them to walk in that which you have for them. Help them and strengthen them. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for the second group today, Lord. I just pray for those who raise their hands because the storm rages, whether it's big or small today. And it's no fun. <laughs> There's just no fun in the storm. It, it's, uh, we can get fearful. We can get panicky. But I pray today that you would strengthen, Father, people 
with a conviction about where they stand, a conviction in your word that your promises are, are true. I pray that you would strengthen them today with a confession. Out of that conviction would come a confession that is a good confession, Lord. And I pray as they walk through this week, out of that conviction and confession would come some conduct that would just, uh, just be steps of faith, Father, you know, responses of faith in action their faith. I pray that you'll help them and strengthen them. Help them, help them, Lord, in those moments of panic to know that you are still God and that you are with them and not left them. And they're not God. We're not God, but you are. And we need you, Father, because we, we stop today from trying to handle it in ourselves and we hand it over to you. Today, we had stopped trying to put our little emphasis on things in our hands and try to work it all out and try to sort it out. And, and if only I could change this person and all that. We stopped that today. And we hand it over to you. And we ask you to help us to love the other people in our lives that we struggle with. Help us to love the others, you know, to in, the, in this moment to know your strength of love and encouragement. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, come on. How about we just worship one more time? Let the Holy Spirit submit something in our hearts today. Tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me.